Welcome to God's Table Talk, where real life stories and testimonies of faith are brought to the table. I'm your host, Paul Eck. We're talking to Rob Biller. Now, I will preface this by saying I've known Rob since we were kids. We're both from the same small town in northern Wisconsin. Rob, first of all, welcome to God's Table Talk. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. Um, Give us a little background on your family and kind of your walk or kind of your life before you met Jesus. Yeah, well, I grew up here in northern Wisconsin, a small town, as you know, Paul, uh, in winter here of about 350 people, so real small. Actually, uh, before that, uh, we were in Draper-Loretta area, which is an even smaller town. (laughs) Uh, We call that the Twin Cities. uh, (laughs) uh, A little pun there. Um, uh, So I was there about the first 10 years of my life, and then we had moved into winter, and, um, you know, I, my mom and dad, and I've got uh, one older brother and one younger brother, and I've got two older sisters. So I, I was number four out of five in the family. And um, my dad, uh, uh, most of the time, was self-employed. Uh, he did work uh, uh, as an employee for a little bit of his time, but uh, then he got into real estate. Uh, he's been a realtor. I think it's coming up on 44 years here. And my mom uh, was always a housewife, and uh, but she started working with my dad uh, quite a few years ago. I think it's been about 34 out of those 44 years she's been with my dad. Um, So anyway, that's just a little bit of background. uh, Now, you, uh, and I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, you were raised in the Catholic Church, right? Yes. And we went to church every Sunday. Uh, my mom is, uh, kind of like your mom, Paul, very faithful. Um, she was very faithful to the church. Uh, my mom is, uh, well, both my mom and my dad are wonderful people and, and they made sure we went to church every Sunday and, um, and we did that and, uh, it was a good, I had a wonderful childhood. Uh, it was a good, uh, it was really a good childhood, a good life. And, uh, so I did that and then. Um, when I got to be probably about high school, you know, maybe late high school, I kind of didn't really go to church anymore and, and then, uh, got into college and I was able to stay at home, uh, through my college because I went to Mount Scenario College there in Ladysmith, a town about half hour away. And so I was able to stay at home and then graduated from college and, and then, um, after college, then, of course, when you live in a small town like this, everyone tells you, you got to go to the city, you know, to get a job. And so that's what I did. So I was away for about like 18 years uh, before I came back here. Uh, but what, I did didn't... You, what did you study in college, Rob? Accounting. Oh, okay. Yeah. I studied accounting. I got my degree in accounting. And um, uh, kind of the pinnacle uh, of the accounting field is uh, pass in the CPA exam, which is stands for Certified Public Accountant. And uh, when, like I said, when I moved away, I first moved to the Twin Cities. And I lived there a few years, and um, I was uh, just in the break room one day, and I was talking to this guy who was working out in the lumber yard, and he was sitting for the CPA exam, and, and uh, so I got interested then, and then I took this course and I studied for it, and. Uh, and I passed that. Uh, so that, that's my uh, background. And that's what I do even today in my work is I have my own small little firm here um, 
that I do uh, uh, in that field. Now let's step forward to the day that you got to the cross. Tell us about what was the precursor to that and what brought you to the foot of the cross and to bring, and to ask Jesus into your heart. Yes. Well, I would say, like I said, when I kind of stopped going to church there in probably my late teens, late, later high school years, uh, I just, I guess I just didn't really think about God. You know, I just thought about my own life. You know, um, I guess you could say I was just self-focused, very self-focused. And uh, I wanted to have a career. And, uh, and so that's what my focus was on. And so, um, you know, I ended up getting a decent job and it was, it was, it was decent in that regard. And, um, you know, eventually I was able to buy my own home and, uh, but it just wasn't fulfilling. So basically throughout my twenties, I was just searching. I was searching for happiness, searching for, for, for fulfillment which is probably not like a lot, unlike a lot of people. And, um, and uh, it's a funny thing because uh, my parents being Catholic, uh, they used to go visit this uh, priest down in Chicago. He was, uh, 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 they did healings and stuff like that. Uh, and there was a, they went to this large, it was called a Basilica, um, which is, you may be familiar with that, Paul. It's kind yeah. of a fan, big fancy church. And uh, very nice, uh, right there in, you know, right in the heart of the city of Chicago. And uh, we went, you know, I went, what they stopped and picked me up. I was living down in Boston, Wisconsin at the time. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to go. Well, I didn't really want to go, you know, I, <laughs> I really wasn't into that, but they kind of coaxed me into it and my mom and dad. And so they stopped and picked me up on the way to Chicago. And, and so I thought, well, I'll, you know, as long as I'm here, I'll try to make something of it or just, you know, try to be positive, in other words. And so I was in there and, you know, in the Catholic Church, you kneel and pray. And we were in there kneeling and praying. And uh, I felt this like somebody pushing me. I was sitting there kneeling. My brother Dave was to the left of me. And it was like somebody was pushing me uh, to the point where I, you know, I, I had a hard time stopping. I was going to fall forward. And I looked behind and there was nobody there. <laughs> and I really felt that was the inkling of the Holy Spirit that was trying to tell me. And I think, you know, many times I think the Holy Spirit was trying to reach out to me and I was ignoring it. You know, and Jesus says, uh, you know, you can uh, uh, sin against the Son of Man and it shall be forgiven you. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven you. And I, I think what he means by that is I think the Lord uh throughout our lives if we're not a believer he's constantly well when we're a believer too but uh when we're not a believer he's constantly trying to you know save us uh the lord wants uh the lost to be saved and i think uh i think uh you know he uses the holy spirit to try to bring us to the cross and if we continue to reject that throughout our life i think that's really what it means when he says if you uh, reject the Holy Spirit that uh, it shall not be forgiven. I think, you know, if you get to the time where you eventually die and you never receive the Holy Spirit, well, then you're in a period of unforgiveness. You, you, you've lost your opportunity. So anyway, I think the Lord does that with all of us. And so that was kind of a, that was kind of a unique thing. And then it was, uh, so that kind of got the ball rolling for me as far as 
uh, I want to check out, you know, and because my life was unfulfilling anyway, and I was searching anyway. And so I thought, I'm going to really check out this. Is this real? Is this Christian Christianity? Is this really real? Or who's telling the truth? Is it the guys that are telling us that we evolved, uh, you know, from uh, an amoeba? Are they, uh, is that accurate? Well, I can tell you it's not. And I've done a lot of research and studying myself on that. But um, so I really uh, dug into it. And uh, I'm kind of a person that kind of goes uh, full bore anyway for, you know, when I get into something. And so I did. I got into it and I studied with various churches. I had uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses show up at my door. And the interesting thing about that is that they were, you know, um, I was attracted to that because they they had a Bible and they were talking Bible. So uh, um, I had them coming in. I was studying with them. Well, then I was going to work one day and I was listening to a Christian program. And uh, and uh, they there was a man on there. Uh, he was a, you know, a theologian by the name of Ron Rhodes. And he had written a book on the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and much of their false doctrine. And so uh, that kind of... Uh, you know, that was kind of Satan throwing me a curveball. You know, he knew I had a zeal and he knew I really wanted to get into the Bible. And so that's who he sent to me. And I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but that's really the truth. <laughs> and um, so uh, so then I just started, uh, you know, really uh, more and more getting into it. And I would, you know, I would get the Bible and study it for, you know, like I work during the week, but like on a weekend, I'd spend 12 hours a day studying and and uh, I just, I got saved then and uh, decided to dedicate, well, before I started all this study, and I should uh, preface that, I was saved and decided to set, dedicate my life to the Lord on August 8th of 1996. So it's been about 25 years now. So where were you when you got saved? Were you at a church service or just was it, you were out in, outside or at home or where was it? I was at home. Yeah, I was at home and... Uh, I really didn't, uh, wasn't attending any church. I did go to various churches in my search. I went to a lot of different churches. I, uh, you know, uh, I watched a lot of uh, television, uh, Christian uh, television preachers. I just, you know, and that was all part of it. But I was at home when I got, when I got saved. So then let's talk about your walk then. How did it change? When I mean, how did your life change from that day, that August day, at that moment, how did it change? What changed about you? It completely changed me. Um, it gave me satisfaction. And reading the Bible and studying the Bible is the most satisfying thing that you could ever do. It's, uh, uh, it's just... Uh, hard to describe to someone if you haven't done it yourself, kind of one of them things, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it completely changed my life. It gave me fulfillment. Uh, the Lord showed me where I came from. Uh, he showed me where I'm going when I leave this earth. Um, he brought joy to my life. And, you know, speaking of joy, most people are in search of happiness. I did a, I do some filling in preaching at a church and, and uh, I did a message one time about, uh, you know, joy of the Lord. And uh, when I was doing some research on it, I, I was, you know, came across uh, the fact that uh, people are searching for happiness. And uh, I saw this thing that said that there's, you know, you, if you Google happiness or how to find happiness, you'll come up with like 
hundreds of millions of <laughs> answers, you know. So there's uh, uh, all kinds of ways to find happiness, but there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is temporary. Joy is lasting. And that's what, that's what your walk with the Lord is. It's joy. And uh, you'll go through struggles. I've gone through lots of struggles. Uh, but when you have the Lord, um, you know, you have that, you know that he's got your back. And that's a huge advantage to have in life. And so I just couldn't encourage people enough to come to know the Lord. Do you look back to when you weren't a believer when you were a kid? One of the things I, I can put out there, because I, as I said, I grew up with Robbie and his younger brother, Dick, was more closer to my age. But I always remember coming over to your house and your dad was always, always had the Bible there and always had it open. Do you look back at those things and say that was, that was important in, my, in me getting to where I got to? Yeah, that had a that had a, definitely a big impact. Uh, my dad, uh, he was more into the Bible, um, and uh, I remember he had this. I used to open it and read it when I was a kid. Well, the only thing I could really understand was like Proverbs, and so, <laughs> so I'd read the proverb. I remember he had this Bible from. Uh, I think he got it when he was confirmed. He was in the he was brought up Lutheran, and uh, and so I used to. Uh, you know, pop that open and read it. And I was actually, I, I remember being really encouraged by it at the time, but of course my focus was in different things, but that definitely had an impact. My parents definitely had an impact. Uh, you know, it says in Proverbs 22, six, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. And, you know, that's very true. I'm a testimony to that. Well, and I think it's a misquoted scripture sometimes because people believe if you train up the child, they won't depart from it. It doesn't say that when they are they're older. So right, there is right. a time where there's going to be, I mean, for a lot of us, there's going to be that rebellion. Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, I had that. I mean, uh, I think that's a common thing. Um, it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, blessed are those who find the Lord in your youth. I think it's in the 12th chapter. Um, you know, if we, I wish I would have found the Lord when I was a lot younger, I'd have saved myself a whole lot of problems in life. Uh, I, I can't encourage young people enough. Um, there's so much unhappiness and so much sadness today. And, um, I can't encourage young people enough, uh, um, to get into, uh, knowing, uh, find, find a Bible teacher, find a church and, uh, start uh, reading your Bible and, uh, that'll change your life. One of the things we didn't touch on, are you married and do you have kids? Yes, I'm married. Um, my wife, uh, who is kind of my rock, uh, I have a wonderful wife. I'm very blessed in that way. Um, she's not a person really in the spotlight, so to speak, uh, but she's a woman of great faith. I respect her highly. Uh, and we've been married. We got married in 1999, so it'll be 22 years this year we've been married. And um, she had she had three children, and so I have three stepchildren and four grandchildren from that. And um, also, I had we had a son together, and he's just turned twenty one, actually. And so uh, that's our family. Do you, uh, do you are they believers? Do you do you encourage? I mean, obviously, you encourage them, but do you or do you let them kind of find it themselves, like you found it yourself? I do. Uh, I made it a point. Uh, uh, the, the son that we had together, Matthew, I made it a point to, to try to not to push uh, 
religion onto him. Uh, because I think what happens when you do that is you're going to, you know, you're, you're taking a big chance on pushing them too hard and pushing them away from it. I think that's quite frankly why, you know, they say the worst kids in town are the preacher's kids <laughs> and the cop's kids, you know, because they, they're under that peer pressure and they, you know, uh, they don't want to be looked at as the nerd and whatnot. And uh, so I just tried to set the example rather than try to push it on them. I think the Lord put that in my heart to do that. Interesting. You would mention religion. Um, there's a difference between religion and Christianity, isn't there? Big difference. Explain religion that. Is man, religion is man-made. Religion is, uh, is man's uh, way of doing uh, Christianity. Let's put it that way. Or any other religion for that matter. Uh, you know, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, whatever. Uh, but Christianity to me is not religion. Uh, Christianity to me is reality. And uh, like I said, I can't really, uh, you can't make somebody believe. Um, uh, but that's, uh, but to me, it's reality. I don't like to even refer to it as religion, but sometimes you do just depending on what context you're speaking about it. But, uh, but yeah, that's what I would say. Now, when you when did you get the call to be a preacher? Because you said you do some uh, preaching. When did that call come? Yeah, I studied for years, long time, and uh, yeah, probably ten to fifteen years. And uh, I just this one verse kind of played on my heart for a while, where Jesus said, "You don't light a candle and." covered up with a bushel basket, but you let, you put the light on a candlestick so that it lights the whole house. And I thought I'm doing all this studying, but I'm not sharing it with anyone. And I don't think the Lord wants that. And, uh, so that's really why I started sharing. And, um, and so, um, uh, when I started doing that, it helped me so tremendously because it gave me a love for other people instead of being so self-focused. I, I had a love for others. And Jesus gave us two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a New Testament verse. I think it's Matthew twenty two thirty seven, but it's actually quoting from the Old, Old Testament. So actually, that's what God's plan has always been for us. And, uh, you know, uh, to love our neighbor as our to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I mean, that's... Uh, that's what it helped me do. And so, um, so that's, uh, so that's really, uh, but especially that verse played on my heart. Uh, that's what really, uh, uh, and then, so then I started coming up North. I was living down South at the time in that Boston area. I started coming up North and doing a Bible study. And, um, and that was kind of a precursor to when I finally moved up here. And then, uh, we've done a Bible study on Monday nights up here, uh, up before the pandemic started, but, uh, we were doing it for over 10 years uh, weekly. And then, of course, uh, uh, the pandemic kind of prompted me to set up a Facebook page. And so now I do uh, uh, Bible study on, on Facebook now. So. I was going to ask you about that. How did things change for you as a believer and then also being as a preacher and a teacher as you are with the last year where everybody was on quarantine and lockdown and all that? How did it affect your ministry? Uh, actually, in a way, it kind of helped it <laughs> because I was able to be on Facebook and share with a lot more people. 
Whereas when I was in the Bible study, you know, it was a dozen, 15, you know, sometimes only five would show up, depending on, you know, who had what going on. Uh, but yeah, actually, it kind of helped it. Uh, so then, because that's what really prompted me to be on Facebook. Uh, um, reminds me of that verse, Romans eight twenty eight. you know, all things work for the good for those that love the Lord, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I think God has taken this pandemic and used a lot of good, even though there's a lot of bad out of it. Uh, God can make good out of anything. You know, that's what he's done. And you're living back in where you were born and raised. Do you find it difficult at times where people still see you as Robbie Biller instead of Rob Builder? Um, like the way you were prior to being saved or has it helped open some doors for you? Um. Yeah, it's helped open some doors as far as now I do every other week I I preach or like my wife tries my wife tells me you're not a preacher you're a teacher. Because <laughs> uh, you know when you think of preach it's kind of like you're you know you're like preaching at someone you know that type of thing. So I but anyway, I fill in or I I do twice a month at uh, at the Presbyterian Church and there was some of that where you know, I think people kind of looked at me a little funny, like, you know, uh, what are you doing now? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't really read their minds, but, you know, maybe in some of their expressions and stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, being gone nearly 20 years, a lot has changed. And so, um, you know, uh, a lot of people are, I didn't really know. And so I think they're more accepting. And, um, you know, I look at me for who I am now. Mm, okay. Should mention that Rob comes from a monstrous family. About three quarters of that part of the county is related to Rob and his yeah. family. Yeah. Do you <laughs> do you witness to your family quite a bit? Uh, I try to plant seeds. Yeah, I um, I try to take opportunity to plant seeds when they're there, and again, try not to push it on anyone. Uh, sometimes being a Christian and wanting to say wanting people to get saved so bad, sometimes you have a tendency to push push it, you know, and, um, uh, you kind of, I've had that happen and, you know, I've, I've, where I've tried to push too hard and, uh, um, I've kind of learned my limit uh, on that, or at least I try to, uh, more, most, more so try to plant seeds and uh, do it that way. Yeah. I know that one of the things that I kind of came to understand just recently is there's really three things as a Christian we're supposed to do. And we're not actually, some of us are only supposed to do one of those things, but, and that's reach, teach, and preach. And yeah. for most of us, it's just to reach people. And that's not to go out there and smack them in the head with a Bible and grab them by the shirt collar and shake them and say, you're going to hell. It's to right. love them and meet them where they are as Jesus did. Exactly. So that's exactly right. And uh, I'm to the point now where, you know, if I could, teach or preach or whatever you want to term it as uh, millions. I would, I would, uh, uh, I, I would, uh, you know, I would do that. Uh, kind of like Isaiah uh, where he said to the Lord in Isaiah chapter six, here I am, Lord, use me. But the funny thing is when you read that scripture there in Isaiah six, and after Isaiah said that um, God uh, told him, he said, well, uh, basically, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he said, I will use you. But guess what? There's a whole lot of people uh, that aren't really going to want to listen to what you have to say. And uh, so be prepared that um, 
you know, um, that's the way it is, you know, and, um, um, you know, so anyway, that's, that is the way it is. I, I found that was funny. You mentioned that scripture here. I am Lord. I don't know if you knew this and I'll put that out for people who don't know this. My mom was the organist, the Catholic church and was right. the music minister, Catholic church that Rob went to and his parents still go to. Um, right. and one of her favorite hymns that we sang, cause I was a song leader for was the, so was the hymn. Here I am, Lord, I've come to oh, do yeah. your will. Yeah. It's interesting that that would, I'm, I'm wondering, did that song reach you when you were a kid? And now when you see that, you go, okay, now I understand it. Um, I don't really recall that, but I remember your mom being uh, so faithful. Uh, uh, your mom's kind of a saint, kind of like my mom. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, it was uh, church back then was, it was more reserved. You know, that's, that's another thing I should mention is the beauty of Christianity is uh God didn't make a make us all the same, and you know we're not like a cookie cutter where he just we all look like the gingerbread man. You know, um, there's variation in Christianity. It's not just uh, there's more reserved kind of worship, and then there's the people that like to hoot and holler uh, and everything in between. And so you know that's uh, everyone needs to find their way. Uh, there's variety there, and I think the Lord wants it like that. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, uh, it's uh, it was a wonderful thing going to church uh, growing up. It, uh, I've got a lot of good memories from that. Now I should mention as well the fact that I know that you were very involved in music. You played the drums. Um, you were in a rock. You were in a couple different rock bands, not on a worldwide level, but on a local level. You were kind of a legend there. Do you still dabble in music, or is that something that when you got saved, you kind of don't do that anymore? I still, uh, I still, uh, have a drum set and I, uh, I still do, uh, play that some. Um, but it's a funny thing because when I started in the fifth grade, I think is when we took up music back then, uh, in school, uh, I was a trumpet player and you know, that it makes me think that the Lord had a plan for me then, you know, cause the trumpet in the Bible is kind of like the warning, even in the book of revelation, there's the seven trumpets, you know? And so I don't think that was really an accident. I mean, I didn't have no clue about it then. But but then uh, when I got a little older, uh, my dad, my brother was a drummer, Dick, you know, and and my dad bought him a drum set. And uh, I was 13 years old at the time. And I got on and I started playing and I really enjoyed it and taught myself, basically. And again, because I have a tendency to jump into things with both barrels, I did that and I practiced every day. and and um, I got to the point where I got good enough to where I was able to join a band. And then when I was like 17 years old, I, I joined a band and we played uh, out and I played basically all over Northern Wisconsin, some into Minnesota, uh, into uh, the UP of Michigan. And, uh, and uh, it was an interesting time. It was a, it was the best part of my life and the worst part of my life. Uh, you know, that's a tough lifestyle. Um, like I said, I never really got into the, I didn't get into the drugs and the alcohol, even though I had my share of alcohol, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but, um, but, uh, it was, uh, it was fun while it lasted. Maybe I'll put it that way, but that, um, but yeah, I still do dabble around in that. Yeah. They, I've told my daughters that there's, there was a lot of the things I did before I was a believer was fun. 
for a season, but the problem is the season ends. Exactly. And then the, then you have the consequences and that's where the consequences far are, are much higher than the fun you ever had. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's true. I said, uh, you know, I said a lot of, I would say like just dumb things and do dumb things. And it just is, uh, you know, you're doing things that it's kind of like, uh, I heard a guy, somebody say one time, the spirits in the top of the bottle, those are okay. You know, kind of like Paul told Timothy, you know, have a little wine for the stomach for your nervous stomach. But the key of there is little. <laughs> and, uh, but and when you get to the bottom of the bottle, that's when the, the bit, the worst, the, the more worse spirits start coming out. And we do things that we wouldn't otherwise do if we were sober. And, uh, so, yeah, I had my share of that, too. Um, but does it make you a better minister, the fact that you have gone through that and you can reach and you can empathize with somebody who is battling those types of demons? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And that's, uh, and, you know, that's more than likely why the Lord, why the Lord allowed that. Um, it's kind of like they say, the best counselor for a, a, you know, people on drugs is a former drug addict. And um so, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that helped me a lot. Helped me to be able to interact with those people. And, um, you know, yeah, I think definitely. So is there a mission for you for here on out, or is it still kind of an open book and you're not sure which way God's going to take you? I have an open book. Um, I really don't have a mission other than just to reach as many people as I can with the gospel and to bring in to help as many people to know the Lord as I can. That's if I had a mission, that would be my mission, but I don't have a set thing or a set place that I necessarily want to end up or anything like that. I pray about it. And I just ask the Lord to, you know, use me, uh, Oh, how he will. Your wife, I believe you said is a, is a believer as well. Um, how important is that to have a spouse who's also a believer? Very important. Um, Bible says to not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Uh, that can cause a lot of issues in life. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if we become married to an unbeliever, uh, especially if, if before we ourselves become a believer, uh, Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 tells us not to leave that unbeliever, you know, as long as... Uh, he said, else the children will be unclean. And so um, just because you're with an unbeliever and then all of a sudden you get saved, that doesn't mean that necessarily you're supposed to leave the unbeliever. Now, maybe the unbeliever is doing some things that maybe you should, too. I don't want to I'm not trying to give any kind of advice here on that. But uh, but just because they're an unbeliever and you get saved, that doesn't mean uh, that uh, you should just automatically separate from that unbeliever. Uh, but yes, it is a huge advantage to have a believer, and I would encourage believers, if they're unmarried, to uh, find a spouse that is a believer. I would definitely encourage that. In what ways does she strengthen you and your walk? Uh, because she'll tell me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> she'll tell me if... Uh, you know, she'll set it, she'll give it to me straight. And that's what I want because other people aren't going to, because they don't want to hurt your feelings. It's kind of like, uh, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but there was that commercial on 
Abe Lincoln's wife asked him, do I look fat in this dress? You know, <laughs> well, honest Abe, you know, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, because she'll give it to me straight and she guides me and tells me like, especially when I'm doing my messages, uh, you know, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. Or, you know, and I, and, and I don't, and I know she has a lot of wisdom and I'm getting it straight. So yeah, it's, it's a huge advantage. Do you two pray together? We don't really pray together. Uh, we're, we're more, pri we do at times, uh, but most of our prayers are private prayers that we pray to ourselves. And there's kind of a reason to that also, in a way, because I'm, kind of, I'm the kind of person that, uh, especially if I'm doing petition type of prayers where I'm praying for something specific, I don't pray out loud, or at least I try not to pray those out loud because the devil hears them and he's going to do everything in his path to try to throw curveballs at you to try to stop doing. So I, God knows our prayers to ourselves. So I even encourage people if, if at all possible to try to pray to yourself, but, um, we do pray to our, you know, we do at times pray, um, you know, uh, together, but, uh, but mostly we pray on a daily basis. We, we each do our own prayers to ourselves. So this question I ask most of the people as we finish up an interview, how you viewed yourself or your life going when you were an 18 year old kid ready to graduate from winter high school and where you're at now, how different is it? Oh, it's a world of difference. Um, the biggest, uh, the biggest change by far is obviously getting saved. That's been the, that's been the most amazing thing and the biggest change unquestionably there's nothing even a close second um and when i was 18 years old i didn't know where i was going i i had no clue i just i just tried to i know i guess that time i just i was very self-focused and just whatever i could do to you know kind of advance my career and and that type of thing and to try to you know uh build my wealth i guess i was trying to you know try to do that and try to get nicer things and thinking that that would make me happy. Well, it doesn't. And uh, it just doesn't give you fulfillment to have, uh, like the Bible says, first, first Timothy chapter six, godliness with contentment is great gain. That is so true. And uh, there's not, there's not more contentment than knowing the Lord. That's the greatest contentment uh, that you can ever have. Talk about that for, just for a minute. Uh, what do you mean by contentment? Give people an example of what that brings you or what it feels like to you. Just being satisfied with uh, knowing that the Lord has my back. Um, you know, I don't have to have everything materially uh, to make me happy. If, you know, obviously, if you got things, they're conveniences to you and, you know, they're going to make your life better, you know, that type of thing. But, um, but that's not going to give you ultimate fulfillment. Um, just knowing that the Lord always has my back. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know if I could give a specific example of that uh, per se, but just knowing that the Lord has my back, that's a, uh, uh, that, that's the contentment that I have. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Luke chapter 11 verses 9 through 10. Thank you for tuning in to God's Table Talk. Remember, you can listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor, and you can watch the full interview on YouTube. I'm your host, Paul Leck. Be blessed, but more importantly, be a blessing.